0: Uh, we started on last week and we asked the question, what did you expect? What did you expect? So go to second Kings, the fourth chapter and verse number one, we'll just touch back on that particular passage, but I want to, I want to hit the, the last half, uh, of our lesson, uh, for, uh, for today. Uh, what did you expect? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, what did you expect? Second Kings, the fourth chapter. And in this we saw this widow, this widow that came uh, to the man of God. The text says, one day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha. Everybody say Elisha. And cried out, my husband who served you is dead and and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Remember back in this day and time, if you didn't pay a debt, it was uh, lawful for that creditor to come and take your children and place them into indentured servitude in order for them to work the debt off. All right? She says, what can, I, it, it, what can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. Tech says, and Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and your neighbors. Tech says, then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from the flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. Next verse says, so she did as she was told. Everybody says she was obedient. You know, I've discovered in life that sometimes we don't experience God's blessing because we want to do life our own way. We're not obedient to the Holy Scripture. We're not obedient to what God says. So God's man gives a directive. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. The text says this, soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her, and then the olive oil stopped flowing. Watch this text. Watch this. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. Glory be to God. What did you expect? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, what do you expect from God? Uh, how many of y'all have heard of the legendary uh, uh, gospel uh, family called the Clark Sisters? You know, uh, and they did a recent, uh, they did a, 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 a movie on the Clark Sisters and Maddie Moss Clark and that, that group. Uh, and, and back uh, several years ago, they had a song uh, called I'm Looking for a Miracle. Y'all remember that song? It says, I'm looking for a miracle. I expect the impossible. I feel the intangible. And I see the invisible. Y'all remember that? It said, The sky is the limit to what I can have. Just believe and receive it, and God will perform it today. How many of y'all are looking for a miracle? Sing it. Come on. I expect the impossible, I feel the intangible, I see the invisible say that one more time I'm looking for a miracle I expect the impossible I see the intangible it says I see the invisible then it says the sky listen the sky the sky is the limit to what I can have the sky is the limit say it again the the limit to what I can have one more time the sky is the limit the sky is the limit to what I can have just believe and receive it and God will perform it today won't he do it just believe and God will perform it then there's a part that goes says, I expect a miracle listen every day. God will make a way. Out of no way. I expect a miracle. Every day. God out of no way. We're going to stop there. I expect a miracle. How many of y'all are expecting God to do supernatural things in your life? How many of you know we serve a God who's able to do exceeding abundantly above All that we can ask or think. Praise the Lord. So I do expect a miracle. What did you expect? Now we saw here where the widow came to the man of God. And when she came to the man of God, she had a problem. Can I get a witness? She had a problem, but obviously she expected the man of God to do something about her situation. And we saw uh, on last week where the crisis was that she was in a dilemma. Sons will get sold into slavery, sold into servant indi- indentured servitude. So that was the crisis, but that was the solution. She went to the man of God. The man of God gave her direction. She was obedient to the man of God. And then we saw the provision that came as a result of her obedience to what the man of God said. Many times we're looking for a miracle, but we're not moving. We're not, we're not, we're not really as a matter of fact, I think some of us have forgotten that God is the God of impossibilities. I think some of us have forgotten in this day and age that we're living in that God is still able to do exceedingly abundant above all that we can ask or think. So we got to get to it. We got to raise our level of expectation. We got to raise our faith level to the point where we can believe God for the impossibilities in life. Now, I want to, I if you will, I want you to turn with me to the gospel according to St. Luke, the fifth chapter. And I want to talk about the sequence of God's increase in our life. Because God, I believe, without a shadow of a doubt, is seeking to, to use the church to be a channel of blessing to a world that is hurting today. Can I get a witness? So we go to the gospel according to St. Luke Chapter number five, we're going to look at verse number one. There is a sequence of increase that you can see consistently throughout the Bible, how God works in bringing miraculous events to our life. This widow needed some help, right? This widow was in a bind because I told you on last week during this period of time, it was not necessarily uh, for for a woman to not have a husband or sons there who were at the age where they could, take her in uh, and and, and take care of her, she was going to be in a predicament. In this case, her sons were going to be sold into indentured servitude to work off the debt so they wouldn't be working to make money to bring home to her. So she was in a crisis situation. And I don't know about you, but there are going to be times in your life whether it's economic, whether it's health-wise, whether it's relationship-wise, where you'll find yourself in a crisis situation. Anybody ever been there before? Anybody been in a situation where you didn't see how it was going to work out? You didn't see, you had no, no, no resources, you had uh, no, 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 no doctrine, no, no letter, no anything that, that would give you confident assurance that this situation was going to work out for your good. But how many of y'all can testify that even though it looked bad, it looked bleak, God stepped in right in the middle of that mess. God stepped in right in the middle of your crisis situation and turned it out and worked it out for your good. I need at least three witnesses who can say, Pastor, I know what you're talking about. See, God is able to do it, but he's looking for us to expect him to do it. Now go to, again, we look at Luke, the fifth chapter. We'll begin our reading here at verse number one. Will y'all read along with me? The text says, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, Great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. Everybody said they pressed in to listen to the word of God. How many of you are pressing in to listen to the word of God? How many of you are saying, I got to get to my place. I got to get back to my position. I got to get to where I can sit and listen to the word of God. I got to find some time, some personal quiet time where I'm getting for the Lord. I got to make my way to church, whether it's in person or whether it's on live stream, because I need a word from God. How many of y'all are really thirsty for the Lord? I mean, thirsty. I mean, thirsty. You know, uh, there's a term thirsty that's used in the street. Now, in the streets, you know what I mean, in, this, in the secular world, when they say a man or a woman is thirsty for a person, that means that you you really are a feeming for that person. You, you want to be with them you, at all costs. You'll do whatever it takes to get with that person. Am I right about it? How many of y'all remember when you were courting your wife? Brothers. Oh, brothers. I said brothers in the house. Brothers, how many of y'all... Can you remember when you were courting your wife and you were dating and you knew that was the person who you wanted? You were doing whatever it took to get to her, weren't you? All right, y'all gonna look at me like that. Sisters, sisters, wives, how many of y'all remember when you were dating your husband, your now husband, and, and you were doing whatever it took to get to him? I got one clap over there. I, See, I need y'all to—I need it to just sink into your heart. See, if, if some of y'all been married so long, you forgot what it felt like. Come on, let's go back down memory lane. <laughs> I remember very vividly, guys, when I was when I was dating my wife before we got married, and during the summer months when I came home from. From, from school at Tech and playing football, we worked, uh, I worked a job during the summer. I would get up and go to work for 7 o'clock at the town of Benton, work till about 3.30, 4 o'clock in, that, 4:30 in the afternoon, g- g- come home, take a shower, uh, maybe do a few things, and I would get in my, in my Dotson 280Z and drive an hour through the back roads of Louisiana to a little piney woods town called Haynesville to spend some time with a lady by the name of Mararia Nikitris Kirk. And I would stay over there until about 1130 at night and drive an hour back to Benton, Louisiana to get up for six o'clock to go to work. And I'd do it again the next day. Now, I was a little thirsty. I don't know about you. (laughs) See, that same type of thirst God wants us to have for him. The Bible says they that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. But my my, my my fear is that there are too many believers who are not thirsty for the Lord of God, for the for the Word of God who are not thirsty who are not pressing in. The text says, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to do what? To listen to the Word of God. Now the text says in verse number two. Let's read. It says he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. Now he now think about this for a second. Jesus. Is here ministering in this area Jesus here and this crowd is pressing in around him and he needs to get a little space he needs to get an elevated area where he could his voice would carry because they didn't have PA system like we do today and he wanted to be able to minister to that crowd so he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets the text says this in verse number 3 Uh, It says, stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat down in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Verse 4 says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Text says, Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Text says in the next verse, and this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. Verse number seven says, a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. The text says this, "Uh, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. How many of y'all ever felt that way? How many of y'all ever felt like I don't even deserve to go to church today. i messed up so royally. I'm I'm so embarrassed and shamed. I'm just going to stay at home. And you know, that's that's what the enemy wants us to do. Whenever we mess up royally, he wants us to think that God don't want anything to do with us. But I'm here to tell you, if you belong to God, and even if you don't belong to God, God still wants you in his presence. He He wants you to accept Christ as the Lord and Savior if you don't know him. But if you already know Christ and you mess up royally, God still wants you to ask, repent and ask for forgiveness. And he wants you to come back into his presence and he'll do whatever it takes to get you back into his presence. But Simon Peter was feeling, was feeling so unworthy. He says, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. Next verse says what? For, for he was awestruck by the number of fish that they caught. This guy was also, he's a commercial fisherman guy, guys. And and they have this business venture and he was amazed at what the Lord had just done by virtue of him allowing the master to use his boat. Allowing the master to use what he had to do ministry for he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as were the others that were with him. Next verse says what? His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. All right, now watch this. Okay. From now on, you're going to be fishing for people. I like the way the King James Version reads it. Jay, if you can just switch that to the KJV here right quick, because I grew up on this. Amen. I like the NLT because it gives us a modern translation. And again, I know we have some people who are KJV only. But there's no magic in the KJV, because the KJV was interpreted from the Greek and the Hebrew. Are you following me? So don't get stuck on KJV as if KJV, there's some magic in that. You go to the original text. If you really want to get deep, go learn some Greek and Hebrew. So, so, so they've translated the scripture into King James English during that time. That's why it's called the King James Version of the Bible. So, so but I, I like NLT, but I love KJV too. All right, the Bible says this, and 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 so was also James and John, the son of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, fear not. From henceforth, ye shall catch men. I'm going to make you fishers of men. He's going to—they're getting ready to leave their business venture and begin to minister with Jesus full time. So let's 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 start to unpack some of these things because God has, as I look at the scripture, God has a way or a pattern in the scripture for blessing His people, and there's a pattern that again. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Blessings go beyond just the material possessions and money. But how many of y'all could use a little bit more money? I know it's not kosher to say in the church, but everybody, everybody said, don't talk about money in church. I talk about it because it's in the Bible. And everybody here needs money to live. Let me walk to this side over here. Y'all like y'all too deep over here. How many of y'all are Christian? Do you need some money to live? Come on, Lou, you need, we all need resources to take care of our families, and we need resources to be able to bless others. How can I be a blessing to you if I don't have anything? How can I be a blessing to you if I'm broke? As old folks say, broker than Cooter Brown. Y'all know who Cuda, I don't know who Cooter Brown was. I don't know his relatives, but apparently he was, he was broke. Are y'all with me? So so God wants to bless us to be a blessing. And so when I begin to look at the scripture, I begin to see that that one of the things that we got to get our minds wrapped around is the fact that we can believe God for big things. We can believe God to help us to overcome the mountains in our life. As a matter of fact, I, I like what Mark 11 chapter verse number 22 says. If we can go there right quick, Mark chapter number 11, and we're going to begin our reading at verse number 22. How many of y'all got some mountains in your life? You know, a mounting for our purposes, for our definition, is an obstacle. It's something that's big, that's hindering you from getting to where God wants you to go. And, and we discovered this in our study from in the emotional health and spirituality, that all of us face walls in life. A wall is a, 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 a death in the family, a death of a loved one, a a, a financial situation, a health issue, or something that disrupts your life flow. Something that's causing you to be hindered from moving in the direction that God wants you to go in. The text says, then Jesus said to, to the disciples, have faith in God. Next verse, let's read together. It says, what I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen, but you must really believe it will happen. And have no doubt in your heart. Have no doubt in your heart. You must really believe that it will happen. Have no doubt in your heart. See, doubt comes to our head all the time, right? Because the enemy is going to send doubt. It's not going to work. You're going to fail. The relationship is not going to pan out. You're not going to have enough resources to make that happen. The enemy is always telling us what we can't do. But I heard one day in the scripture that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I discovered that that if we will elevate our level of expectation, then God will rise to that level of expectation as it relates to blessing us. I tell you the truth. You can say this, mountain may you be lifted up and thrown to the sea and it will happen, but you must really believe It will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Next verse says what? Watch this. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you receive it, it will be yours. In other words, praying and believing, praying and believing, praying and believing. While you're praying, you are believing. Jesus is saying mountains are there in our life. We live in a fallen world, guys, and we're going to have obstacles. The Bible says it rains on the just as well as the unjust. Just because I'm saved does not mean I'm not going to have trouble in life. Are y'all with me today? Just because you're saved does not mean you're not going to have trouble in life, guys. Trouble comes knocking on all of our doors. Amen? And so what I want us to do is to be equipped, to be prepared, to have a level of expectation that God will do exactly what he says he's going to do. So I got to learn to speak to the mountains. I got to say to the mountain what I'm believing and what God is promising his word. Now, go back to Luke, the fifth chapter right quick, because all of us have mountain experiences, right? All of us have to get to the point where we learn how to trust God and know how he moves and operates in our life. So the first thing I want you to look at as it relates to uh, the sequence of God's increase, and we saw this over in 2 Kings uh, with the poor widow. First thing is, the Lord asks us to give. He asks us to give. Everybody say, the Lord asked me to give. Now, check this out. In this particular scenario, God asked Peter and the boys to allow him to utilize what they already had. See, God is not going to ask you to give something that you don't already have because you can't get it because you don't have it. But what God will do is he will test our resolve and test our faith by coming to us even in a time of, of, of lack, even in a time where it may not seem like everything is going the way we want it to go and God will come and prick your spirit and say, I want to use that to do ministry. Yes, that thing that you have, whether it's your car, whether it's your home, whether it's a uh, 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 financial blessing, God says, I want to use that to do the work of ministry. The first phase in, 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 in this God's system of increase should not surprise any of us because Jesus unashamedly asks his followers to give to him. He even asks for a little boy's lunch. Go to John, the sixth chapter, verse number one, with it right quick. Go to John, chapter six, verse number one. It should not be a surprise. Now, again, in a lot of churches, pastors are reluctant to talk about Giving. Because they, they tend to get blowback. But one of the things I believe in is teaching balance uh, when it comes to giving uh, unto the Lord. Because when we learn how to trust God in that area, guys, we tend to be able to trust him in all areas. If I can trust you with my financial resources, which are very important in order. I told you it takes money to live. Correct. Uh, so if I can trust you with my financial resource, that means that I can trust you with just about anything. Watch what the text says. It should not surprise us that God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, constantly asks us to give what we have, not what we don't have. I like what the Bible says. If there be first a willing mind, it is acceptable to the Lord what a man has and not what he hath not. Are you following it? So God will ask us and come meet us right where we are and says, Yes, that thing right there, I want to use that for ministry. I want to use that right there to bless somebody else. He asks us to give. The secrets of God's increase is the first, the Lord asks us to give. Watch what happens here in this text. Very familiar, Pastor Scripture. But let's read it again. It says, After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. The text says a huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Verse 3 says, then Jesus climbed the hill and sat down with his disciples around him. Watch the text now. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Text says that Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. They were pressing in trying to find the master. Again, how thirsty and hungry are you for Jesus Christ? See, don't tell me that you love Jesus and you can't find time to get with him and his word because Jesus and his word are one and the same. This Bible was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Men wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. If you find yourself not being able to find time to get into this, you're not really thirsty for Jesus. You're not really hungry for him. I know what you say. I know what you feel, but I'm I'm going to bust your reality right now. I'm going to tell you right now, you're, you're not really thirsty for him because you can't be thirsty for him and run away from him at the same time. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among men. See, Jesus Christ is the word. And if I i Am trying to pursue him, then I am. I have to get to a position where I'm pursuing his word because he reveals himself through the holy scriptures. So, ask yourself this question. Now, again, we just came out of twenty one day fast. Uh, we hadn't finished yet. Okay, don't y'all go eat pork chops after service now, <laughs> because we got it ends at midnight tonight. And please don't be up at midnight frying pork chops You missed the whole point of the thing. Are y'all following? Some of y'all already got your your, your pie ready. Come on, y- y'all y'all so, y- y'all sad. Y'all are so sad. Can you just suffer just a little while? Just twenty one days without squeeze. Come on, twenty one days. All right, but but guys, listen. If you are thirsty for Him, you will thirst for His Word. Now, listen. I'm going to tell you in. If you've been saved long enough, like all of us, all of us, including myself, you've had those, what I call those dry periods. And y'all had a dry period where, where your pursuit of God was not like it was when you first got saved. I mean, you were, you, you were still you know, actively involved in church, coming and singing and being a part of the class. But really that quiet time, it went away. Your prayer time was sort of sporadic and you were, you were in, in one of those spiritual ruts. But see, God will call you. He'll he'll send a word by the preacher. He'll send a word by your coworker. He'll send a word by your child to prick your heart and say, it's time to get back to the father's house. Am I the only one that's been through a dry spirit before where I wasn't pursuing God the way that I should have? Am I the only one? Let me see some hands. I I need y'all to witness. This is a call and response message and I need y'all to witness with me. There have been times, guys, where on this spiritual journey where, where I was not as on fire as I am right now. Because I'm here to tell you guys, listen, when I when I sat on that 6 a.m. morning uh, uh, prayer, uh, prayer call and I heard our young adults, I heard our little babies, you know, and, and, and teenagers praying their hearts out in sincerity to our God. Man, I was so inspired. I'm so inspired to know that we have praying men and women in this body. But the reality remains that there's, there are times in this journey of faith when we face different things or we just happen to drift. You know, drift, you, you kind of, if, if you put a boat out on, on, on the water and, there, and there's waves there, if, if, if that boat is not tied down, you, you'll find it, it'll drift away slowly, slowly but surely out into the middle of the, of the ocean or, or the lake. Because it's not tied down, it's not anchored. And many times in our life, guys, when we when we start fading from our time with the Word of God, when we start when we start when we start missing our our connectivity with our with our small groups and that type of thing, we can find ourselves drifting. Any of y'all ever drifted before? Come on, let's be honest. So, but but here's the beauty of it all, guys. God still loves us, and He's doing whatever it takes to bring us back into His presence. Even if it means him allowing some adversity to come into our life, even if it means him, him, him bringing some discipline our way, God is trying to get us back in his presence. But the text says, Watch this now, watch this. So Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. They were looking for him, turning to Philip. He asked, Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Now, let, 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 me, let, me, let me clue you in something. Anytime Jesus or God asks you a question, he already knows the answer to the question before he asks it. Can we get this straight? In the Garden of Eden, Adam, where I thought? You think God didn't know where Adam was? He already knew where he was. But see, what God does, he'll ask a question to show us where we are. Because we think we're in one place, but we're really not in that place. How many of y'all parents have ever asked your child a question you already knew to answer the question? You won't say they're going to lie. Anybody in the house? See, see, and, and sometimes our poor children, they, they, they're just so clueless. I'm here to tell you, when your parents ask you a question, child, answer it honestly. Because you never know, they may all, that nine times out of 10, if they're, if they're, if they're walking in wisdom and they, and they pray before God, God's already shown them what you're into Anyhow, So answer the question. You'll get in more trouble for lying. Then maybe for the event that you, or the situation that you got yourself into. God already knew what he was, look, look what it says. He was, he was testing Philip, Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. He was testing Philip. Don't you think for one second that your faith will not be put on trial? God will test us because we don't really know that our faith is genuine until we have to step out on it. We don't know that we really expect God to do this until we expect God to do this. Until we begin to, 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 to have in our minds eye and see the manifestation of that thing that we pray for. The Bible says he was testing Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. Look at the next verse. Come on, let's read out. We're talking about the fact that God asks us to give. Here's the secret. The first thing he does is ask us to give. Jesus boldly and confidently without no reservation or hesitation can ask us to to present back to him a portion of what he has blessed us with. Yes, he does. He does. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Now, mind, Jesus already knew what he was going to do. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. He says, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that with this huge crowd? They're walking with the master, y'all. Look at the text says, Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus says. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000, 5,000 beside the women and children. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. After what he did, the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. Two fish, five barley loaves. Now watch what happened. After after everyone was full, Jesus, after everyone was what? After everyone was what? Here this youngster's lunch, Two fish and five barley loaves and everybody 5,000 besides the women and the children and they were what? Full. My God is a great multiplier. He can take a little bit and make it stretch for a long way. Anybody ever been in a position, position before where, where it looks like things were a little tight? It looks like things were, were not going to work out but God just stretched that thing. He multiplied it. After everyone was full, Jesus told the disciples now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. Guys, I'm going to tell you, God will ask us to give. Jesus will boldly and confidently ask us without reservation to present back to him a portion of what he has blessed us with. Any of y'all ever ha- bought something for your children? I remember when Junior Boy was, was younger and we were riding the car, we stopped by McDonald's or something and, and get him some fries. And those fries were smelling real good. They were hot. Y'all know, but, I mean hot fries. And, and, and I, I asked him, I said, son, give me a couple of those fries. He didn't want to give me the fries that I just bought for him. Are y'all children don't want to, and my child don't want to be selfish like that. I just bought it for him. I just gave it to him. It was my money that purchased it, and he didn't want to give me the fries. Y'all know I gifted them in to the give me some, didn't you? <laughs> but guys, think about this for a second. First, the Lord asks us to give, and he asks us to give out of what he has blessed us with. Jesus asks us to give back because he plans to do something benevolent with it. With that boy's lunch, he fed a crowd of 5,000. With our gifts today, he likewise used them for good. So, first thing the Lord asks us to do is to give. When you look through the Bible and see the secrets of God's increase, he asks us to give. See, it's not how much you have it's what you're willing to release to the Lord. The widow that had the one might, the Bible says when Jesus, the Bible says, this, watch this, if you don't think Jesus is concerned about how you give, the text says in, in one of the gospels that Jesus sat over against the treasury and he observed how they put money in. Okay? Yet the rich people came by and they put in a whole lot of money. But then this poor widow who came with one might, the text says, And Jesus observed her, she gave her last, and Jesus made a statement that all of us need to remember. He said, this widow with this one might has given more than all the rest of them. Because Jesus does math a little bit different than we do. We'll look at somebody who gives a lot in the church, and then all of a sudden we want to make them a trustee because they give a lot of money. Is he even saved? Is he even engaged in the, in the work? Is he growing spiritually? But no, no, he's not, but he has a lot of money. Forget money. I don't care how much money you have. When you walk through the door, those doors of this church here, it does not matter. Your title, check your title at the door because it doesn't matter in here. Because see, God looks at life differently. And until we begin to look at life the way God looks at it, we're not going to get to where we need to be, okay? So first, the Lord asks us to give. Secondly, God opens the windows of heaven. Uh, go to Malachi 3 and look at, start at verse number 8 and go down to verse number 10. Malachi, so second God opens the windows of heaven. The prophet Malachi says that once we present our tithe as well as our offer to the Lord, he opens the windows of heaven. Malachi 3, glory to God. And we'll look at verses 8 through 10 right quick. What do you expect? What did you expect? Should people cheat God? What's the answer to that question? Come on, let's Should people cheat God? No. Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. This is God talking to his people. Look at what the text says in verse 9 and 10. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. That's what God says. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so, so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Amen? Put me to the test. Uh, in the KJV, says, it says, I will bless you. The word blessing in Malachi 310 is not a direct reference to money, contrary to popular opinion. Go, put that in the KJVJ. He says, Bring ye all the tithes in the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now here with, says the Lord Host. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. The word blessing in Malachi 3.10, again, is not a direct reference to money. According to Strong's concordance, it primarily means a benediction. Y'all heard me teach this before a benediction. Break, break, break that word benediction down grammatically. Uh, this word comes from the word benny and diction. With bending means good and diction means a flow of words. In other words, God's going to give you a good flow of words that fits your life perfectly. Webster Dictionary defines a benediction as to speak well of. Therefore, God is making this promise in Malachi 3 that I will open the heavens, windows of heaven, and pour out for you a benediction through that windows of heaven that will start a flow of words that are good. Amen. Jesus, in our text in Luke, the fifth chapter, gave Peter, a benediction. He gave him a good flow of word that fit his life perfectly. He was a fisherman. Can I get a witness? And I have no doubt that as in that chapter that we just read out of Luke, the fifth chapter, Jesus is getting ready to call these men to go on journey with him, to go on mission with him. He's going to call them to leave their business behind. And isn't this an awesome thing that he does? He he allows their nets to be so full of fish that they begin to break. They had to call for their partners to go over and get all his fish. And guess what's going to happen? They will go and take that fish and sell it and bring money to their families. So Jesus was taking care of their families as he was calling these men to do life together with him, guys. He gave him a benediction. Simon Peter was a fisherman by trade. Go back to Luke, the fifth chapter. What God said through the window just happened to be about fishing. Peter could respond in many ways. Either he will apply the illumination to a one-time possibility, or he might see a whole new way of doing business. Now, go back, if you will. Let's look again. Take a look at, at Peter's response here to Jesus as we move quicker down through. So, second, God opens the windows of heaven. When he opens the window of heaven, he gives us a word. He gives us a benediction. He gives us something that fits our life. When we, are, when we first give what he tells us to give, then he'll begin to direct us in the other areas of our life. Watch what the text says here back in Luke, chapter number 5. Uh, look at verse number 2 with me, right quick. Luke 5, verse number 2. Glory to God. Text says, he noticed two empty boats. At the water's edge. Now remember, what was happening? There was a crowd pressing in around him and he's trying to minister to the people. And he asked Peter to let him use what he has so that he can minister to the people. And I'm going to tell you something. God will ask all of us to sacrifice Amen, what we have, what he's blessed us with so that the work of ministry can go forth. Can I get a witness? He noticed two of the boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Text says this, look at at this. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon his owners to push it out into the water, so he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Next verse says what? When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Now immediately, guys, understand this. Jesus, by trade, was a carpenter. He wasn't a fisherman. What do you know about fishing? And I imagine when you look at Peter's answer That was probably going through his mind. Yo, Jesus, you're a carpenter. And and understand something here. Catching fish in the deep part of the water represented a new concept, a new way of doing business. It represented a paradigm shift. Because, guys, on on, on Lake or the the Sea of Galilee, which is also known by, fishing on the Sea of Galilee, historically, fished that night and they fished in the shallow part of the water. So now here's a carpenter. Think about this for a second. Here's a carpenter who doesn't fish by trade is telling these fishermen who know this lake. How many of y'all got places where you fish and you know where the fish bite at? Anybody, anybody, any fishermen out there? So the p- people who fish all the time know where to go and catch the fish, right? So these guys are commercial fishermen and they were cu- accustomed to fishing what? At night and in the shallow part of the water. But how many of you know when Jesus Christ gives you a benediction, when he gives you a, a good flow of words that fits your life, when you are obedient to that flow of words that's coming as a result of you, first of all, giving done to him what he's already blessed you with, then you can be blessed as a result. Watch this, guys. It was not customary. It was a total paradigm shift. And Peter, in his mind, you can hear him start to question Jesus' directive to go into the deep part, all right? and the fish in the daytime. But let me tell you something right now, guys. Hear me carefully. When Jesus Christ gives you a word, when he gives you a benediction, you better make sure you're obedient. Like the woman in 2 in, in Kings, she was obedient to the man of God when he gave her a word to say, go and, and, and go get some vessels, go get some pots, and then collect those pots, and then I'm gonna fill them with oil, and you go out and sell it. And you and your sons are gonna be free. You're gonna be able to live the rest of your life off of what you sold. they must have sold a lot of oil, guys to be able to live off of that. I'm here to tell you that God is looking for a people who will trust him totally and completely. It did not make sense in Peter's eyes but watch what he says when he had finished speaking. Now go out where it's deeper and let down your nest to catch some fish. Next verse. Come on. Let's go. Master, we worked all we worked hard all last night. I can hear some of y'all now. Pastor, you know, I I, I you asked me to go and and, 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 and help this person. I I, I don't know, pastor. I, you know, we don't get along too well. Uh, uh Pastor, I don't know. You know, uh, I, I I don't see how that's going to work. Well, let me tell you something. You got to raise your level of expectation when God gives a word. When God gives a word, when he gives you a benediction, a free, a, a good flow a word that fits your life, fits your skill set, that enable you to prosper, you better follow that flow of words. Because when you learn to follow God and trust him, he will provide, guys. Can I get a witness? So, so watch this. So, so he gives them a, a, a different parad- a paradigm. shift, change the way they do business. How many of y'all are willing to change what you're doing in order to flow with God? How many of y'all are willing to do relationships different than what you've been doing them? so you can be a blessing to others. How many of you are willing to upset the apple cart in this time that we're living in? And, and guys, if, 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 if churches don't know anything else, God during this pandemic, I think, is doing a shifting with our churches. Because if the truth be told, a lot of our churches have been complacent and lethargic for a number of years. We're not, we haven't been really concerned about evangelism and getting, reaching the lost to get them saved. We haven't been uh, concerned about discipling believers who are already saved. We've just been doing church. Are you going to church? Yes, I'm going to church. And that's all people have been doing, going to church. Hear me carefully. God wants the church to stand up and be the church and be a light that shines in a dark world. He needs the church to become vibrant. He needs the church to be out front showing the world his love and how people can get along when they have the common connectivity of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So God has called the church to be different. And I, I don't know about anybody else, but I know with this church here, we've been, we, we, were, we were pushed into doing things differently. We were pushed into to, to, to re, re, re-strategize how we're going to reach more people. And I thank God for it, amen, because churches are notorious for hanging on to traditions that, that, that don't even work or are not effective anymore. You do not change the gospel message, but you do have to change your method of trying to reach people. Are y'all listening to me today? All right, so let's keep moving. So so he, they, they gave, he gave them a new way of doing business, guys, and guess what? It blessed their socks off. Are you willing to change in midstream to do things the way God wants you to do. The third thing that we see, first of all, God asks us to give. Is that right? Second of all, God opens the window of heaven and He pours out a blessing, that blessing, uh benediction, a good flow of words uh, that fits our life perfectly. God will tell us to move in a certain direction. And usually guys, it's 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 in concert with what we what we've already been gifted or our 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 leaning toward, or whatever it's a career choice, or whether it's a a business idea, whatever it may be, God usually will push us toward that thing that we were already serving in, but he just gives us a different twist on it, like he did Peter here. The third thing is, once that window opens, God begins to speak either an idea, a concept, an opportunity, or wisdom that fits your life perfectly. He begins to speak an either an idea a concept an opportunity or, or wisdom that fits your life perfectly and that's what he did with Peter here guys he gave him a word and when he gave that word because Peter was obedient and let him use what he had are you willing to let god use what you have stop stop bemoaning what you don't have and be thankful for what you do have and be willing to let god use what little bit you may have or you may have much whatever whatever you have be willing to let god use that to help transform people's lives and when you do that let me tell you something god will continually use you as a channel of blessing to to flow uh his resources through so speaks a word an idea a concept how many of y'all have how many of y'all out there now have an idea or concept or something that you said the Lord has been pressing your spirit that you, you want to do, whether it's a business venture or whether it's a ministry opportunity, but you've been sort of sitting on it. Anybody sat on some things before? Some of y'all, God would be pressing your spirit to go back to school, get trained to do this here. So when you go back to school, to get trained and do this right here. Then now your, your income capacity can be greater. And now as you bring in more money, you can begin to sow more. But you're scared. What if it don't work? My question is, what if it does work? Hello? The enemies always show you the, what, 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 the bad side of things, but God says, if you will trust me, I will provide. How many of you are scared to move? I know you're not going to admit it today, but there are many times in life when God when, when God actually do something that requires faith, it can be scary sometimes. I'm going to be honest with you. But I'm here to tell you if you will just trust him and obey him, he will bring it to pass. Fourth thing I want you to make note of. Fourth, you must act on God's word for you. You got to act on God's word. You, you need to do something with that word that you get. You must put this word into motion, whether it's an idea, whether it's a concept, whether it's an opportunity, whether it's wisdom. Whatever comes through that window is designed to help you read the goal of life that God has planned for you. In 2 Kings, the widow heard the man of God. The man of God told her, go borrow some vessels. Had she rebuffed that man of God's uh, word, she would not have gotten blessed. And sometimes God will tell us to do something that doesn't really make sense to us in the natural realm. It didn't make sense to Peter to fish in the daytime in the deep part of the water. But guess what? He overcame that perceived doubt and just did what Jesus told him to do. You got to act on God's word for you. Whatever comes through that window is designed to help you reach the goals of life that God has planned for you. And the fifth thing, as we look at God's secrets and increase, is God releases the flow of finances in our life. And more finances come into your life. The natural process of life now moves uh, financial favor towards you as you obey God and follow through on the blessings of the open window. Go with me to Philippians, the fourth chapter, verse number 11 with him, right quick. Look, look at what the Apostle Paul says here. Now again, remember, what are we saying? We see here, we're talking about what did you expect? What's your level of expectation? See, Peter felt so overwhelmed and so got off with it, so felt like a sinner because he didn't expect to reap that harvest that he reaped based off of what the carpenter said. But I'm here to tell you, when that carpenter name Jesus tells you to do something, you you best find yourself doing it. When he speaks to your spirit and he says, move, I've learned to move. I don't even understand it sometimes. I just move. Because I've learned, Brother Kenny, if I trust him, he will provide. I've learned that his word will not return unto him void but it will accomplish the thing that he sent it forth to accomplish. The Bible says God is looking to and fro throughout the earth trying to find a man or woman whom he can show himself strong toward. Watch what this text says. Now the apostle Paul is right here to the saints at Philippi and notice what he says here. He says, not, but I tell you what, if you will, Jay, back up to verse, let's let's go back to verse number uh. Verse number eight. Start at verse number eight. I think it's where I'm going to go. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are are sinful, whatsoever things are unlovely, whatsoever things have a bad report. Y'all going to let me say that? Y'all just have been looking at me. That's not what it says, is it? Look at what it says. It says, because again, We'll, we'll find ourselves if we're not careful focusing on all the bad stuff. Uh, even during this global pandemic and bless God, man, f- over half a million people have lost their lives through all of this, guys. And it's, it's a tragedy. But don't miss this also. There are a lot of people who got sick and recovered. And if all you ever focus on is the 500,000, which we should and, we, and, 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 and thank God for the vaccine. If you had not got your shot yet and you're eligible to get it, go get it. I got my first one. But watch this, if, we, if all we do is focus in on the negative, we'll miss what God is doing in the affirmative. Are y'all listening to me today? We, we've, the devil always tries to get us to get our attention off of word, get our attention off of promise, get our attention off of what God is doing and focus on the negative that the devil is doing. Amen? Watch this. Finally, brother, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Verse 9, watch this. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Come on, we gotta go, y'all. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me has flourished again. They were supporting Paul. In his apostolic work in his ministry. Wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. You wanted to do it, you cared about me, but you lacked the opportunity to sow it in my ministry, he says. Look at what it says. Not that I speak in respect or won't. Paul said, I ain't begging. He says, For I have learned, if I say learn. In whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. And I'm gonna tell you right now, guys, you better learn how to how to rest of Jesus. I believe we live in, in in some perilous time, and I think we are closer to the rapture than any of us can even imagine. And I believe that the, 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 the enemy is going to come and he's going to attack the church. The enemy is going to come and he's going to try to disrupt God's flow in, 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 in the earth ramp. And he's going, to, he's going to attack the church. But the true church, the one that's following God, the one that is standing on the word, the one that's willing to say, for God I live, for God I die. The one who's willing to say, I will face persecution because I'm going to live godly in Christ Jesus. I don't care what happens, I'm going to stand on truth. That's the kind of church God is looking for and needs in these last days that we live in. Now, that I speak I've learned in 1-5, learn in what state I am, that with to be content. Watch what it says. And look, at, look at this. Watch this. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. In other words, I know how to be lower without much and I know how to live when I have, when I have much. Everywhere in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer. And Paul says, whatever state I'm in, I've learned how to rest in Jesus. I can do all things. I can be a base when I don't have a whole lot and make a stretch or I can walk in prosperity and not let it go to my head when I got much. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Are y'all with me there? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul said I know how to be a base and I know how how to abound. Guys, let me tell you something. God... Is wanting to do great things to the church. Keep reading. Last point here. He says, "Uh, uh, notwithstanding you have done well that you did communicate with my affliction. He says here, now you flippings know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Next says, he says, for even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. They were supporting Paul in his apostolic ministry. He went about. Not because I desire a gift, watch this, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Paul says, I'm not telling you this because I'm a preacher that's only trying to get money to live off of. I'm telling you this because when you sow into ministry, then God will bless you with more so he can channel more blessings through you. Last two verses, watch this. But I have all and abound. I'm full, having received with Epaphroditus the things which you sent for me. And an odor of sweet sm- smell of sacrifice, acceptable, well pleasing to God. Last one. But my God, everybody say, my God. my God, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So, guys, listen to me. What are you expecting from God? What are you expecting? First thing we said was what? Number one, we got to do what? If, if How does God, how does God? How does God, uh, sequence of increase come in our life? Number one, he first access us to what? To give. Second thing he does is what? He, he, he opens the windows of heaven. Third thing that happens is once that window of heaven open, God begins to speak to an idea, a concept, an opportunity, a wisdom that fits your life perfectly. Fourth thing, you must act on God's word for you. When you get that word, when you get that idea, that concept, be willing to move, be willing to act. And lastly, God releases the flow of finances in your life to help sustain you so that you can be a blessing to someone else. That widow, don't, don't think for one second that that widow uh, in 2 Kings didn't go forth and be a blessing to others who she came in contact with. What did you expect? Now, next week, we're going to look at the Shunammite woman and see what Elisha did for her, what the man of God did when he spoke into her life. Amen? What do you expect? And what did you expect when you came today? What did you expect? to hear? Did, you, did you expect to hear a word... That will help transform your life, or you just came to church. What do you expect? Every head bowed everybody close. Father, we thank you.